0: on my heart for quite some time now, and I wanted to share it with you guys, and the title of my message today is called Anchored, Anchored in the Lord, Living a Life Empowered by the Word of God, you know, you could also say it, Living a Life Anchored by the Word of God, you know, when our lives are anchored in the Word of God, they're firm and secure, amen? God is such a good God, you know, in Hebrews 6, verse 19, it says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure, Hope is defined as a confident expectation of good. You know, we need to walk around every day with a constant expectation for good because the greater one lives inside of us, amen? Hope is defined as a confident expectation of good, a reason to go on. You know, doesn't the world need that hope? A hope to go on, hope in their hearts to have a reason to live. Well, Jesus is the reason to live. You know, biblical hope is based on the promises that are given to us in the Word of God, and that's why it's so important today. I want to emphasize the reason why we're here today is to anchor ourselves in the Word of God. An anchor is something that can be relied on for support, stability, or security, and we all need that security in our hearts. An anchor is a symbol for hope. Jesus is the unfailing hope of all who believe in him. He is our stability. He is the anchor of your soul. He won't ever let go, as the song says. Nothing can separate you from his love. Amen? Absolutely nothing can separate us from his love, no matter where we can go. You know, you can go to the farthest part of the earth, and God is still with you. You can go to the farthest place in space, and God is still with you. He's always with you. He'll never leave you. And you know what? That in itself brings hope to our hearts. He's an anchor for all of our souls for eternity. An anchor, when it's thrown from a ship, it keeps it from sinking. It keeps you from being tossed about. It holds you securely. So faith is strengthened by hope. The anchor was looked at in ancient times. It's been around for a very long time. It was looked at in ancient times as a symbol for safety. For, and Christians actually adopted it as the anchor as a symbol of hope many, many years ago. In Hebrews, it was the first time that the idea was of hope was connected to the anchor. In Hebrews 6, The hope set before us is like an anchor for the soul, secure and firm. I love the scripture in Isaiah 33, verse 6. It says, He will be the stability of your times, a wealth of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. Isn't that good to know that we have stability when the world is tossing us about? But we have that stability. He is that hope in our hearts forever. The first point I have today is called being anchored in God's word brings us hope. How can our heart be filled with hope? In Romans 15, verse 4, it says, Through the encouragement of the Word of God, we have hope. How many of us have ever been in a situation and then we went to the Word of God? We opened our Bibles, or Bible promise book, and God showed you exactly the Word for your situation. And you sensed in your spirit your heart being infused with that hope and encouragement again. You know, encouragement means to be infused with courage. And that's what God's Word wants to do. It wants to infuse our hearts with courage to go on. You know, so many times, you know, the enemy may be coming against you with a heavy situation, but God wants our hearts to be filled with hope. And that's when we have to stand on the word and say, No, devil, I'm not going to listen to the situation. I'm going to stand on what the word of God says about me today. Amen? The world's longing for to have hope in their hearts. The greatest source of hope we can be, have is found in Jesus himself. When we look at the word of God for hope, we look at the promises of God. Hope's found in God's word alone, in his word alone. We're, we're firmly anchored in life, when we're empowered by the Word of God. So if you take anything from this message today, I want you to take, I want to be empowered by the Word of God, so anchored in the Word of God that nothing can shake you. Amen. That the, you may be in a boat and your life may be rocking back and forth by the waves, but absolutely nothing can shake you because you are so firmly anchored by the Word. In Hebrews 4 verse 12, it says, The Word of God is alive. Let that sink in a second. The Word of God is alive. It's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. A double-edged sword is about as sharp as you can get. The Word of God is as sharp as it can get. You know, there's a quote that the Lord put in my spirit, and it resonates in my spirit one day when I was praying, and the Lord said to me, what you agree with, you empower. I'm going to say that again. What you agree with, you empower. And that's true with anything. And I encourage you today, don't agree with your situation. Don't agree with the world's report. Agree with the Word of God and the Word of God only. Don't be tossed about by the definitions of men. Don't be tossed about by your circumstance. Be held firm in the anchor of the Word of God. In Ephesians 6, verse 16, it says, Above all, you know, if it says above all, I want to take that pretty seriously. (laughs) Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all, not just some, all. You know, I stopped and think about it a second. All. God didn't just say, okay, you know what, I'm going to protect you with that shield of faith from some things I'll pick and choose. He said all. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all, the fiery darts of the wicked one and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You know, we are girls and guys with swords. We have a sword. You are a warrior. We do. We have a sword. It's called the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit represents the Word of God, which is the only offensive weapon in the full armor of God. So I think it's pretty important. You know, when a football team plays, that offensive line is pretty important for winning, isn't it? (laughs) Well, you know what? If we want to win in life, we need to have our offensive ready to go. We can, could have all the def, best defense in the world, but you know what? Without the offensive, we're not going to win. But we will win because we do have the offensive. Jesus even rebuked the devil with the word of God. And you know what if Jesus, God in the flesh himself, used the word of God to stand against the enemy. How much more important would it be for us to use the word of God against the enemy? I mean, if we really think about it, if God himself was using the word to stand against the enemy, that's what we should do. Because we're his representatives here on earth. Well, God is so amazing. I mean, he's given us and equipped us with the weapons to stand against the enemy. Jesus rebuked the devil with the word and said in Luke 4.4, 4, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word of God. There's a great quote by author Lisa Bevere. She wrote the book Girls with Swords. And I absolutely love this book. If you've never read it, I encourage you to get it powerful word, because it talks about taking up the word of God and standing against the enemy with the sword. And here's a quote from her. She said, you are a valiant warrior whose eternal creative word, eternal creative word in your mouth is a living, invincible sword in your hand. Amen? Amen. Okay, point number two. Being anchored in God's word brings us victory. Praise God, he holds victory in store for us. This is a very powerful story, and I'm so excited to share this with you. This is one of my very favorite stories in the Bible, because it's so applicable to this. In 2 Samuel 23, verse 10, it said, He stood his ground and struck down the Philistines, till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. Now this is a story from one of David's men called Eli Azar. Eli Azar stood his ground and he became a victor. We have to stand our ground against the enemy. And this is a great symbolic story where his hand grew tired and it froze to the sword. How many of you have ever grown weary just holding on, standing and standing and standing on the word of God? And you haven't seen your victory yet, but you know what I want to tell you? You keep holding on to that sword. You keep on standing and standing and standing because God promises, he promises he will be faithful to his word and he will bring it to pass. There have been many, many times I could give you lists and lists of testimonies in my life when I have looked a situation in its face and said, how is this going to work out? What is going to happen? It looks bleak in the eyes of the world, but God, his word, he always is faithful to show you a word to stand on and hold on to his promise, and he will come through for you. Amen? Amen. In essence, the sword became part of, of, of Eleazar when he was standing holding on, for, holding on to the word. This runs parallel with the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. It should be so grafted into the DNA of a, in the fabric of our lives that when a situation arises, we're not just instantly deflated, but that we're so full of the Word that it comes out as that sword, and it totally defeats the enemy immediately. Because when you raise up the Word of God and you speak out the Word of God, the devil has to flee. Just when Jesus spoke the Word, the devil had to flee. When you yield to the word of God, no matter how long the battle goes or how tiresome the fight seems, as long as we stand firm in Christ, God will bring about the victory. When we're at our weakest, God will show himself strong. Boy, have I seen that. Sometimes, you know, I I was going to go into maybe preaching or speaking somewhere, and and the night before or the day before, there was all these battles going on, and you knew that that you were pressing in to bring the word. The enemy doesn't like the word because he knows when the word goes forth, he's going to be defeated. (laughs) Our weakness is turned into his strength because the Bible says in our weakness he is strong. Our weakness is turned into strength as we trust in him to strengthen us in the heat of battle. You know, in the midst of a battle, you can be so strong. In Zechariah 4, 6, it says, not by might or by power, but by my spirit. You know, it's not about us. It's about him. It's about the greater one in us. The sword, which symbolizes the word of God, Freezing to his hand is a symbol of us holding tight to God's promises, never giving up until we see the victory. Some of you today, if you feel like you're about ready to give up, do not give up. Your victory's coming. (laughs) You can draw strength and encouragement from 2 Samuel 23.10, that he stood his ground and struck down the enemy till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. And here comes the promise. That day the Lord brought about a great victory. Amen. No matter how tired we get, we must let his his sword stay grafted, frozen, held tight to our hands, and keep us going as we take our stand in the Lord and gain a great victory over the enemy. Point number three, anchored in God's word. I encourage you today to stay anchored in God's word, and that will cause your heart to expect greatness every single day. It gives you a constant expectation for good in your heart. If you're waking up every day with dread in your heart for that day or or a downcast spirit, I want to encourage you. That's the enemy trying to pull you down. God wants you to wake up every day with your heart filled with joy for that day, that this is the day he's made. I will rejoice and be glad in it And, and a great expectation, a heart filled with expectation of hope that he's going to do great things that day, a constant expectation for good. Now, it's a fight. As Pastor Mark and I always say, you know, when you wake up in the morning, it's a decision when your feet hit the floor. You know, you sense that battle. Am I going to let the weight of what I know I've got to face today overtake me? Or am I going to choose joy? Am I going to choose to trust God has greatness for this day? Because he's got this. He's already gone before us. He's already taken care of every situation. In Psalm 68, verse 19, it says, Praise the Lord our Savior, who daily loads us with benefits. You know he's a God of every single moment of every single day. He's intimately acquainted with all of our ways. In Psalm 31:19 it says, "How great is your goodness! You have stored up for us that you bestow upon those who fear you." Amen. God has his goodness for us that he wants to bestow upon us every day. It says in Psalm 27:13, "I'm still confident of this: that I will see the goodness of the Lord Amen. in the land of the living." He's a God of every good thing. The Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. Amen. He is a good God. In Psalm 37, 27, it says, The Lord be magnified who delights in our well-being. You know, there's a concept somewhere in the world that some people have a vision of God as being a, a judgmental God who's not for you. But you know what? That's the wrong picture about our Lord Jesus. He came to redeem us. He came to bring good, eternal goodness to us. He came to redeem us from the curse of the law. You know, we may go through things in lies, and that refines our character, but God has redeemed us from the enemy's power. Amen? Isaiah 60, verse 1, as you know, I share it every single week when I usually do announcements, and that's the word the Lord gave us for this body, for the body of Christ for this year, that says, I rise, shine, your light has come, and the goodness of the Lord rises upon you, that darkness covers the earth, but, you know, the Lord always has a pause there, but the Lord rises on you, and his goodness appears over you. As the world grows darker, God's goodness grows brighter brighter and his mercy shines brighter on his people. Amen? He's going to take care of us. You know, I went through a really hard time early in life, a lot of struggles um, through family situations and different things, a lot of painful things that I had to work through really early as a very young child. And um, the Lord opened the door for me to actually go to a, a college called Oral Roberts University. And there, Oral Roberts, I was able to become a chaplain there, and I was invited, all the chaplains would get invited over to, you know, big things with him and get to know him personally. And one day he said to me, Kristen, something good is going to happen to you. And, of course, all of you who probably know who he was, he said, you know, he would say that to large congregations. But when he said it to me, something really infused me with hope that no one had ever really said those exact words to me before. I mean, my mother's always been the most powerful encouragement in my life. I mean, but there were other forces that were coming towards me at a very young age. And I was like, you know what? That moment made me realize that someone can speak into your life and really infuse you with a lot of hope and I stood on that and you know what it may be it seemed really small but it was really big to me that something good was going to happen to me and you know what that was just an encouraging word from the Holy Spirit and you know I want to encourage you today there is power in words when people can infuse you in hope you do that for them and they do that for you and that really gives you hope for the future be that hope to others infuse them with the courage through power of encouraging words. Be a hope giver and a life giver. That's what Jesus did for us. He came to give us life. Right. Point number four. Anchored in God's word, he will make all things better than before. You know, that's kind of like the little phrase at our house right now, better than before. God's character is to redeem everything. In Haggai 2 verse 9, it said, The glory of this present house will be greater than the former. Amen. The glory of this present house Hi will be greater than the former. What is God doing here? He's making it better than before. In Joel 2, it says, Fear not, be glad, rejoice. The Lord will, not maybe. It says he will do great things. You know, this, this phrase, better than before, it's kind of funny because one day Mark and I were driving, he was going to have a procedure done at the dentist's office, and he was in a lot of pain, and we were just rebuking it and everything, you know, and it was just like, tempting to get just kind of down about it. like, oh, this procedure, you know, and it was his birthday or thing. You're like, oh man, the timing, you know. And so, and we were driving there and and, and I remember it just rose up within us better than before. Okay, let's decide. It's going to be better than before. And so we declared that, we prayed that Say God, make it better than before. And as soon as immediately when he came out, it was better than before. No pain. He had a great day. He got to go out to eat for his birthday, everything. And so uh, we're just, that just really hit home with us to trust God that he's going to turn a situation that might seem like the waves of the sea are to- tossing all around you in every area of your life. But you know what? You can stand in the middle of that and say, no, I am anchored. I'm going to trust God in his word that he's going to make this better than before. He wants to perfect what concerns you. He wants to take what the enemy meant for harm and turn it for good. You know, in every situation in the Word of God, he always, always took every situation and turned it for good. In Deuteronomy 23, 5, it said, The Lord turned the curse into a blessing for you because he loves you. He loves to make things better than before for us. So whatever situation you're going through, I encourage you today to think in your heart every day, you know what, God, you're going to make this better than before. And it may not always be exactly how we had it all planned out, but he promises. He will work it together for good. You know, the story of Joseph is a great example of God turning a bad situation good. Bless his heart, you know, he was just so young, and, and, you know, and his family, you know, he had a great big family, you'd think they'd love family reunion, let's all get along, but no, they throw him into a pit, you know, they, they sell him off into slavery, and bless his heart, you know, he, he, you know, he, you know, you rely on your family to be there for you, and he felt so alone, you know, but you know what, I really believe Joseph had a ex- constant expectation for good. Because in his heart he knew God loved him. He knew his father loved him. It says in Genesis fifty verse twenty, You intended to harm me. This is him talking to his family. But God intended it for good, to accomplish what's now being done, the saving of many lives. He'll use any situation to draw people to salvation. To for them to be saved. And that's his very nature. So remember this when you're going through something that his nature is to turn it for your good and to draw people to you, that people will be saved for eternity. It may seem like a fiery trial now, but you know what? God is working it, refining it for salvation, for people to know him as Savior and Lord. He always makes it better than before, and that's, you know, I call it the great exchange, our sins for his righteousness. In Psalm 126, verse 4, it says, those who sow in tears will reap with songs and joy. Tears, joy, God makes it better than before. Psalm 30, verse 11, he turns mourning to gladness, better than before. In Isaiah 43, 19, he turns the desert into waters, better than before. He brings provision, such a good God. In Galatians 3, 13, it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. He redeemed us so that the blessing given to Abraham may come upon us through Jesus. He wants to make a masterpiece out of every mess it's god good anything we can get ourselves into without his guidance you know we're human sometimes there's messes but you know what god says i'm going to take this mess and turn it into a masterpiece because you love me instead of any setbacks everything will be a setup for something great in your life he promises to work all things for your good i love that that instead of a setback it's going to be a comeback you know when jesus died People were grieving. Some of them didn't know that he was going to rise from the dead. It seemed like a setback. But on the third day, he rose again, and it was the greatest comeback ever. God's calling you to something bigger than yourself today. Joseph went from the pit to the palace. So if you feel like you're in a pit today, you know what? You just hang on to the word. He's taking you to your palace. He kept his hope in the Lord as an anchor. What was lost will be found. He'll breathe life back into your relationships. Now, I think this is the most beautiful thing ever. that that those relationships that were broken. Um, Joseph uh, was brought back to his family in a supernatural way in in the story. Um, Even though they'd thrown him into the pit, there was power of forgiveness. (laughs) Joseph got a vision of victory for his life, and he didn't let it go. He praised God through the trials. He was thrown into prison, but he still had a victorious spirit. He said, the greater one is with me. And the Lord made him the the leader of the whole prison. And then he was promoted to the palace. And through that, he was able to save his whole family's life with provision because the famine was coming. And so, you know, whatever your situation is, it may look bumpy along the way, but God's going to use you to help redeem others through this situation. Proverbs 2.7 says he holds victory in store for the righteous. As our daughter Auburn always says, no matter what, God is with you. Keep your hope in God. He'll make your situation better than before. Point five. Being anchored in God's word causes you to override your feelings. You know, this is a very powerful part for people who walk by their emotions. You know, are you living by man's word? Or man's opinion? Or perception? Or man's perception of you? Or are you living by what God says about you? You know, some people perceive people as a certain way, but it's a wrong perception. Don't define yourself or others by perception. Perception is not always reality. You may be feeling overwhelmed and hopeless it's not it's only feelings it's not the truth it's not time to quit it's time to press through and trust God feelings do not define you if you may be feeling sick or you may be feeling a certain way you know what that does not define you You do not have to stay there there's been many many times that I have felt a certain way and I'm like no devil in Jesus name the Word of God says I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus and I promise you In hardly any time, God has rose up with strength in my body, and I know it's him. I give him all the glory, but with healing. So we can stand on the word of God and trust him for healing. So feelings do not define you. Only God's word defines you. Let the one who made you define you. We're not defined by changing moods or opinions of others. Those can be up and down. As we can even see in politics, you know, they all kind of fight each other sometimes just to win a race. But you know what? None of them are really defined by that. They're defined by who God says they are. He is the anchor of true identity. He will never let go. He is the one who defines us. We have been made right with God through the blood of Jesus, and absolutely nothing can define us but him. Genesis 37, verse 18 says, Joseph's brothers threw him into a pit and sold him as a slave. You may feel like you're in a pit today like Joseph, but don't despise that. God's working behind the scenes, preparing to unleash unlimited power in and through you. He's always with you, so depend on him and his presence. Joseph chose not to be depressed. You know, it's a decision. Some people, you know, that can be heavy with a lot of different things going on can just, you know, cause themselves to be a recluse and choose to walk in that. But, you know, what? it's a choice. It's a choice. Like Joseph chose not to hold on to that bitterness with his brothers. He chose to forgive them, and it's, it's a choice. It's not a feeling. You have to choose to stand on that. You have to choose not to be depressed. He chose to look beyond what others were saying and do what God go with what God was saying and doing. God made it definitely better than before. Amen? Genesis 50:19 says, Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. He reassured them and spoke kindly to them. You know, to me, that's a powerful testimony of character. And I'm going to talk about character here in a minute. You know, Joseph allowed the Holy Spirit to, 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 to control, con- form him into his image through this trial he allowed the kindness the fruit of the holy spirit kindness to be formed in him think about it all his brothers had done to him and then they came back to him and and they had to be you know humble they were in need at that point because the famine was coming and 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 you know he became joseph became a kindsman redeemer to them he spoke kindly to them and forgave them after all they had done they'd thrown him into a pit and sold them off into slavery. But yet, Joseph's reaction to them was not to to lash out back at them. His reaction was to love them and to be kind to them. So if someone's speaking unkindly to you or being rude to you, the most powerful testimony of character of the Holy Spirit inside of you is to bless those who persecute you, to speak kindly back to them, to overcome evil with good, just like Joseph did. He reassured them of love, and he spoke kindly to them. Look beyond your circumstance and know God's promises. He will work it all together for good. Joseph was being prepared for an amazing future, and he is for you too. As he's taking you through these times, God is with you, and he's preparing an amazing future for you. You're going to be able to touch lives and reach people that other people couldn't because you have been through similar things as them, and you'll be able to relate to them. Live beyond your fears and live beyond any labels. Live a limitless life. You're the, you're more than your past because God holds your future. Depend on God's favor based on Jesus' merit and his finished work at the cross. We did absolutely nothing to deserve his favor. It's not by our own works. It's not self-effort. The Lord is your source. Live beyond your limits. Exchange feeling living for purpose living. I'm going to say that again. Exchange feeling living, reacting to feelings, and jumping onto a situation or defining your day by all your feelings going on. Instead of living, feeling, living, live purpose living, which is, no, I'm not going to live this day according to how I'm feeling or what this situation is. I'm going to live this day according to what God's Word says about this day. Live in the limitless power of God's Word in your life. When you're anchored in God's Word, pressures become pearls. And now you can see why I gave you all pearl bracelets today to remind you that any pressures you're going through today that God wants to turn them into a pearl. He wants to make something beautiful out of it. Pearls are formed through the pressure of irritation. I know probably a lot of you know that an oyster feeds off of the ocean floor. When something gets lodged inside of its shell, it irritates it, and the shell responds from the irritation into make it, The more irritation it gets, the more beautiful and bigger the pearl gets. Isn't that neat? Well, God designed to take what irritates and to make it better than it was. He makes something beautiful out of the pressures of irritations that we go through. (laughs) This is how character is formed inside of us. It might be through a person. It might be through a boss. It might be through circumstances such as traffic maybe irritating you or uh, things that rub us the wrong way. How we respond is a true test of character. Learn to develop your pearl by walking in the fruit of the Holy Spirit because greater is He that's in you. Amen? Amen? Proverbs says that it's to your own benefit to overlook an offense. We have to say no to our flesh. In 1 Thessalonians 5.15, it says, See that none of you repays another evil for evil, but always show kindness and seek to be good to one another. When character is formed, God will turn every irritation into a pearl. You know, some of us have some really long strands of pearls. (laughs) Developing character doesn't mean living in sickness or lack. Jesus died to redeem us from every curse. But he came to destroy the works of the devil. That's not what I'm talking about. Jesus came to heal us. It says we're healed by his stripes. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about about that kind of a, a trial. He came to set us free, as you know our hearts. that we're, we, he, Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly. I'm talking about that he wants us to become more like him. He wants to develop the fruit of the Holy Spirit in us. He wants to heal us, redeem us, and he wants to encourage us, and he wants to form us into that beautiful pearl that he is you know he is the pearl of great price it means developing the character to become more like him today are you living by what you feel what others say or by what God says I'm gonna say that again I want you to think to yourself today are you living by what you feel what others say or by what God says be empowered and anchored in the Word of God no wave no wind no storm can overtake in you when you're firmly anchored in his word. When you pray and speak God's promises, it takes you from being a victim to a victor. I'm going to say that again when you pray and you speak God's promises, it it takes you from being a victim to a victor. It causes hope to rise in your heart. You know, it's not a matter of naming or claiming anything, that has nothing to do with it. You know, being positive, all that is is trusting that God's word is bigger than your circumstance. You know, it's not a game. It's, it's, it's the word of God. It's the precious word of God himself who created you, and he wants great things for you. He wants to restore you and heal you. Point number six, when you're anchored in God's word, you will find rest. Thank God. How many of us need rest? You know, all of us need rest. That's something, you know, even God's in the in His Word, on the seventh day, what did He do? He rested. When anchored in God's Word, you will find rest. It says in Jeremiah thirty-one twenty-five. It says, "I will refresh the weary and satisfy the faint." Thank you, Lord. In Psalm sixteen eleven, it says, "In His presence is fullness of joy." You know how many of us try to find joy and in, in fullness of joy by a vacation or by a you know doing something fun, thinking this is going to satisfy. Well, those are temporary satisfactions, and they're all a blessing. They're all great. But you know what? There is no greater refreshment and no greater joy by just sitting in his presence, taking time to go into a room, just sit and just bask in his presence, and open your mouth and say, God, give me a word. Lord, refresh me in your presence. Fill me up with you. And I promise you he is faithful to show up, and he's going to touch your spirit, and he's going to give you a word to stand on, and you're going to walk away from that stronger than ever. You're going to have that strength to go on more than if you took two weeks in the Bahamas. (laughs) Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Lord, you are our greatest getaway. (laughs) You'll have the supernatural rest when you keep God's word in your heart and let his word be the final answer, not your emotions. You know, on so many game shows, they'll say, is that the final answer? You know what? Our final answer is the word of God and what he says. So today, take comfort in his presence. Let his presence touch, refresh you. Absolutely nothing can separate you from his love. Okay, point seven is Jesus is your anchor of hope. As an anchor goes to the floor of the ocean and holds it firm and secure, Jesus holds us safe and secure. He is the anchor for our soul. We have hope in that we have an anchor for our soul. We need this anchor to hold us in the harbor safely of the Lord. Everyone is looking for somebody to rely on. If you have Jesus as Savior and Lord, you have a lot to look forward to because Jesus is returning. Always remember, in the midst of a storm, the anchor holds on to us and won't let go. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You may feel all alone today, but don't. The Lord is with you. God promises he will be your anchor. Let God's word be your final answer to every circumstance in life. We are to be like him and destroy the works of the devil by bringing his word into all areas of life, to go into every man's world. You know, one thing I did learn when I was at ORU, that was the main thing they engrafted into us, is to go into every man's world with the gospel. You don't have to go to Africa and be a missionary, which is great if God calls you, but you can go into the workplace. You can go be a business owner. You could be any kind of vocation, a nurse, a doctor, and go into every man's world and tell them about the gospel. I want to encourage you today to live by what God says, not by what man says. Let God's word override your feelings, and you will have hope. You will have rest. You will have victory and a constant expectation for good, that he will make all things better than before. Amen? I want you to live a life anchored by the power of the word of God. God says, all things are possible. I will direct your steps. I will give you rest. I love you. I forgive you. I will work everything together for your good. I will give you wisdom. I am well able. My grace is sufficient. You can do all things. I will supply all of your needs. I've not given you fear. I've given you power, love, and a sound mind. I will never leave you. You will have plenty. All of my blessings will come upon you and overtaken you. You have my favor. I hold victory for you. You are healed by my stripes. I am protecting you. I am watching over you. You can look forward to the days to come. I have a good plan for you. I will build you up and not tear you down. There is hope for your future. Peace rules in your heart. Nothing can separate you from my love. I will get you out of worry. I'll get you out of stress, and I will give you joy. I have perfect timing for everything. You are precious to me, and I love you. You are my treasured possession. Amen. God bless you. You know, I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope you've taken something from this, that, that you have hope as the anchor of your soul, that God's word is your anchor, that no matter what waves are going on in your life, God promises that he is your anchor of hope. We're going to pray now i pray that if any of you do not know jesus as your savior and lord if you do not have this hope as an anchor for your soul that you will receive him as your savior you know jesus died on the cross for your sins so you can live with him forever as far as the east is from the west that's how far he's removed all sin from you And today, if you want to rededicate your life to Him, if you want a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon you, today, I'm going to pray that upon you. And I want you to receive it by faith. And I also want you to take a stand today that you are not going to live by your feelings. You're not going to live by your circumstances. You're not going to live by what other people say. You're going to live by what God says about you. And that's why I gave you these papers, so that you can take these with you and stand on what God says about you, not what man says about you. Amen? So let's pray. I want you to repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, Father, I know that I'm a sinner sinner. and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died died on the cross cross for my sins sins and rose from the grave grave to give me life. life. Please Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I now confess Jesus Christ Christ. as my Savior savior. and and I'm saved. Amen. If you prayed this prayer for the very first time or rededicated your heart to Him, I encourage you to get in the Word of God. He has so many good precious promises for you today. We love you so much and we're so glad you're here today. Thank you for being here today. I pray that your heart is infused with hope as the sign says that He is the anchor of hope in your life. So hope in Him today and let Him renew your strength. In Jesus' name, God bless you. I love you. You can all stand up. Yes, I'm going to do the blessing. <laughs> we like to pray a blessing over you every single week, so let's all receive the blessing. Let's put our hands up in the air and everybody receive from the Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you for your precious people that you brought here today. Lord God, I just thank you for infusing every heart with your purposes and your encouragement, Lord. God, I thank you that they do know that they are precious and honored in your sight and you love them. God, I thank you for pouring out your spirit upon them afresh and anew. Let a new zeal for you, Lord God, will come upon them today. A new zeal and hunger for your word, Lord God. Lord, I pray that you would bless them and keep them. Make your face shine upon them and be gracious unto them. Lift up your countenance and favor upon them and give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you. God bless you. If you have not had your family photo yet, done yet.